right, guys, Michael Hicks here with Mike Does on the Build Unique podcast. I'm here with my special guest, Charlie Ike from River Drifters here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. Before we talk to Charlie, let's go take a word from our sponsor, Wonder Chat. All right, I'd like to thank our sponsor of this week's video, Wonder Chat Vacation Rentals here in Chattanooga, Tennessee. For all your unique vacation rental needs, we have water properties, we have mountain properties, we have shipping containers, A-frames, lake houses. We got you covered on your unique spaces. So come on down and see us. Visit us at wanderchat.com or on TikTok and Instagram at wanderchat. Charlie, man, appreciate you coming down. Thanks for having me, buddy. Glad to have you here. Tell us a little bit about Charlie. Oh, man, it's a big question. A big story? That is a, I don't know how big of a story it is, but it's a long story. I'm 54. <laughs> Uh, Charlie is a, uh, well, my, uh, my business card says it best, uh, uh, husband, father, restaurant guy. And, uh, those are three things that are important in my life. And, uh, other than that, uh, you know, I've got a, grew up up North, started in the restaurant business in this crazy world. Uh, when I was about 12, 10 or 12, busting tables and washing dishes at my dad's restaurant in uh, Libertyville, Illinois, and, uh, been, uh, plugging along at the restaurant industry for uh, quite a long time now. Love it. So you, you didn't you didn't start out as the owner. <laughs> no, no, no. I think a lot of people think that sometimes, but that's not that's not reality. That's not how it works. No, it was a it was a long, uh, long, hard push before I uh, was uh, in the opportunity, had the opportunity to get by partial ownership of my first restaurant. I think, I think that's what so many people fail to see and fail to realize is that, you know, before before you were the owner of, of, of your empire and your your business, you know, it, years and years of grinding and, and, and maybe working two jobs, three jobs yep. or, or whatever it took to, uh, I know you've done a lot of different things and then gone a lot of different routes in the restaurant realm, but you know, it, it takes, you know, and I'm sure you probably still bust some tables a day, don't you? Perhaps every day, every day. <laughs> every okay. day I yeah. mean, so you, you know, not, there's no position that, you know, that you as the owner and the manager won't do. No. No, I think and a lot of times it's a respect thing. Sometimes I'll do the worst job in the place just to show people that I'm still ready to get dirty. Somebody throws up in the restroom. I'm not going to send somebody in there. I'll go in and take care of that one. I think it, I think two things. It shows that you're not afraid to get dirty anymore just because you're the owner. And you develop a lot of respect from your people when they see that you're you're willing to do the nastiest thing so that they don't have to. Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, you get in there and do that nasty job. And, you know, as as an employee at one time, you know, man, I don't feel good when my boss is in there doing the, doing what I feel like I should right. have been doing. So, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna hurry in there and and make and do it before him next time because I don't want them to see me not doing right. it and them doing it. So, I, yeah, yeah, it's it's some reverse psychology. Been, been in that exact situation before <laughs> where I was the guy not doing it and saw the boss doing it, and then you just kind of go, oh, I should have been there man, doing I that. The ball there. Yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. And I think that uh, for anybody who's driven you try and minimize those kind of situations and it takes you places when you change that mindset, yeah. when you're the guy that doesn't want to disappoint somebody and the best boss you're going to have in the world is not the one that's, you know, the beatings will continue until the morale improves. It's the one that makes you feel like you want to set a high standard so yeah. that you don't disappoint them. Those are, that's the best leadership that I've had. The ones that always made me feel motivated to do it for myself and to not disappoint them. And I think that's the difference between uh, a good leader and an effective leader and somebody that uh, is cracking that proverbial whip. You know, you're going to do it because I said to do it. And this is, you know, what you're supposed to do. But uh, leadership's, uh, that's a whole other podcast. Well, right I mean, so there, we'll dive into it a little bit, though. You I mean, uh, you, there's the argument, are, are leaders made or are leaders born? I mean, where do you, how did you develop those skills? <sighs> uh, you know, I played a lot of questions over in my head before I got here this morning, but that wasn't one of them. <laughs> I, you know, I think necessity is the mother of invention, as they say, and I'm a strong willed person and I like to do things. I, I had a boss that called me Sinatra one time because he said, Charlie, you can't always do things your way. And that's what he would refer to me as when I was being headstrong <laughs> is Sinatra. Um, but I think in reality, that's a, a large part of it. I saw a lot of things that I didn't maybe agree with in, in past uh, jobs that I had had. And uh, I always had a strong desire. If this were my restaurant or if this were my business, this is how I would do it. And sometimes, honestly, I don't think that I'm as smooth. I had a, a, another boss told me one time, you're, you're a great worker, but you're not great at managing upwards. And I interpreted that as kissing butt 
honestly, managing upwards. And there's a there's a fine line between busting butt and kissing butt. And I realized that I was going to have to work real hard, prove myself to where I could put myself in a position financially to do my own thing and to move up the ladder and learn the things that I needed, to, the skills I needed to acquire before I would be ready to run my own business. And so I think, uh, I think my drive came from a desire to be self-employed and to be my own boss and to, to grow things my way and to, to develop my own menus and put my own steps of service in. And uh, there's a lot of things, in, especially in the corporate world, and corporate places work because they have a proven dynamics of a small foundation of restaurants that had the potential to be national chains. That's why they're national chains, because they're doing something right. But for me, a lot of those little things that the corporate world does, I'll give you an example. I worked for Pizza Hut back in the 80s, and we used to have to answer the phone. Thank you for calling Highway 58 Pizza Hut. This is Charlie. Would you like to try our new Priazzo Italian pie? And there was always a dead air after I said that because people would think it was a recording. It wasn't personal. It wasn't something that set us apart and made us unique. It was the same thing that every other restaurant on the planet was doing, canned speeches. And I wanted to get away. I wanted to break out of that. I wanted to do things differently where customers would know that the experience they were going to happen, that they were going to have was unique and tailored to my particular place, not and again, there's there's a reason that TGI Fridays and Applebee's and Texas Roadhouse, there's a reason they're successful, but it wasn't my cup of tea. I wanted to be individual and do things on my own path. So listening to you talk about that, it resonates with me a lot because, you know, starting out, I wanted to be independent as well. And, and I'm still, man, things have to be done my way or they're not. Right. It drives me insane. And that's why I have such a hard time letting go of tasks. And, you know, I'm, I told uh, told somebody this morning, I was like, you know, they said, what's your biggest need? And I said, a, a project manager that will do it like I wanted to. Right. <laughs> yeah. So yep. it's like, but, you know, I I had, uh, you know, my we had, we had a single uh, income household. And, um, you know, it was always, I was sent off to camp or to, you know, youth group retreats with 20 bucks, you know, in the early nineties. So, you know, right. that was enough to buy you a couple of meals for the weekend, right. you know, and, and my mom was all, you know, make sure to bring, bring as much home as you can, you know? And I was like, man, you know, I would go and I would spend $8 and take 12 home. My brother would spend 25, you know, <laughs> out yep. of the 20 and had to borrow from me. And it was like, you know, I don't want to have that lingering over me. I want to be able to produce my own. And that's what drove me to, you know, to self-employment, knowing that I could create my own success and and uh, take it as high as I wanted to. And success is different to everybody, right? So it's absolutely, uh, you know, what you need and I need are different mm -hmm. and, and what the next guy needs is different. Uh, you know, we've got guests in here that live off of YouTube and 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 travel and and stay right. at the most cool places you know you yeah. stayed over 200 unique short-term rentals sounds pretty cool it sounds pretty good to me uh, you, you know, know there's so. worse ways you can make a living <laughs> yeah, for sure yeah. and where was youtube when we were getting right out of high i know right so uh yeah i mean just that that part of driving but golly the 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 leadership and and being able to to create that that feel at work to where your employees uh want to strive to do mm -hmm. better is 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 where it's at because trying to create that uh you know that like you say standing over and 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 driving and and pushing them to do more rather than getting along in there with them i i still get right out there and work with them uh every day if i need to so, right but. it's uh, I, I think part of that is something that comes with maturity too i mean because I, I remember when i first got a promotion i was uh I went to work, uh, Mar I don't know why I remember this date, but uh, for some reason I do. March 9th, 1986, I went to work for Pizza Hut as a server. And I had never waited tables before. I had done work in my father's business. My father owned, a, it was an old VFW in uh, Libertyville, Illinois. And he turned it into a uh, restaurant bar. Big Fish Fry Night was their their big night there. That's a popular thing up north. And uh, his best friend, his name was Chef Carl, and he owned a German restaurant that was right next to my dad's restaurant. And I would go in there once in a while and peel shrimp and just do menial tasks and stuff like that. My best friend growing up, uh, John Sharetta Jr., um, his father opened a restaurant in Deerfield called The Italian Kitchen. 
And I had, uh, I'd work in there with them once in a while doing stuff. Most of the time we were just out screwing off and his dad was getting mad at us because I'd take him outside and we'd be gone for hours. But, um, and then in high school, I went to work for uh, a place called Dear Franks. Uh, I lied about my age. I was, uh, I think I was 14 and you had to be 16 or 15. I'm not sure, but I, I lied about Then there was no I-9s and all that kind of stuff. They, yeah, they didn't check any of that stuff. It was, oh, you're, you're 16. Okay, great. Come on. Here's a mop. Let me show you how to work it. And, uh, and then there was, uh, you know, just several places like that through, throughout, uh, high school and whatnot. But when I started at Pizza Hut, um, I think you touched on something that is also a driving factor for me is I had, uh, two brothers there. It was a single mom raising the three of us and, uh, we were broke, you know, we didn't, uh, mom was, uh, not making a ton of money. We were always renters. Um, we moved a lot because of that. Uh, sometimes it might be two in the morning when we were moving and I didn't understand why till I got older. <laughs> you, you own properties, you know exactly what I'm talking about, but, uh, I didn't want that anymore. I wasn't out to go make myself wealthy. It wasn't, uh, I didn't, it wasn't cause I wanted a Ferrari, which I don't have a Ferrari, but it wasn't, that's not what was driving me. Independence was driving me freedom. freedom to, you know, I didn't want to, and I don't have to sweat a power bill, but I remember when I was a kid writing a check cause now they're go through instantly. But I remember writing when, when I first moved out, write a check on Friday. Cause you knew it probably wasn't going to go through till Tuesday. And you, you you scored a couple <laughs> extra days cause you had $8 in your bank account. I remember when my wife and I first got married. We got the, the Amway used to call it the, the $5 fight. And uh, we did cause I had that 12 bucks in the bank and she wrote a check for like $22 at the grocery store. And I was like, honey, what are you doing? I told you we had, well, we needed groceries and you know, but we don't have those fights anymore. She just has the, the debit card. <laughs> she's, she's fine. But I think, you know, growing up in that lifestyle with a single mom and not having a bunch of money and your friends were going off to a concert or going away for a weekend or they got to go to a summer camp and stuff like that and you didn't get to, it just really made you want to drive a little bit harder so that you could have the things that uh, maybe you didn't have when you were younger. And uh, maybe, uh, yeah, I think there's a lot of variables, I think, that drive people. And uh, that's that's definitely played a part in, in what's driven me to 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 do whatever we've done with restaurants and, and whatnot. But you talked about, you know, your, your, your goal or your plan wasn't to be wealthy. And I, I look at wealth a little different and, you know, I, I say, okay, my goal is not to be rich. Right. Because I feel rich is temporary. Right. My goal is it to be definitely wealthy. Is. You know, I want to be wealthy, but wealthy again, like success can be many different things. Mm -hmm. So wealthy to me is being able to do what I want when I want. Right. Okay. Time, there's, time not a, there's not a dollar limit on that. Right. But it, it's it's something that recreates itself whether I'm pushing it or not. Mm -hmm. You know, so that that rental income or or that business income that's going to be there if I want to take a few days off. Right. Uh, if you want to go to your kids' game on a Saturday, yeah, be at the you know, games. And, yeah, that's that's something that is important. That's one of the perks of being self-employed. It doesn't mean you always get to do it. I still struggle. I'll give you a perfect example. I took yesterday off. Uh, my son's Jeep, the uh, the clutch pressure plate and throw out bearing are having to be replaced. So normally we have three cars in the family and we're down to two and we've got to take kids to school. And, uh, so yesterday my wife had an appointment, something she needed to do. So I was stuck at home cause she took my truck. And, uh, so I wasn't in the restaurant all day yesterday. And then to this morning I got there, I did food orders and I had to go to Sam's club and do some shopping. And then I was like, all right, I, I asked you, it was at 12 or 1230. Cause I always try and be early. So I'll set my reminder 30 minutes early. And then I was like, did I set it 30 minutes early or was it? But in any case, I felt bad about leaving today. And I still struggle with that. I shouldn't, I've got a perfectly capable crew in place. Um, we're adequately staffed. It's a, uh, Weekday lunch is not going to be like the weekends are, so I know that they're going to be okay. But I still, it's one of the things that I've got to work on overcoming is going, okay, you've trained these people. They're capable. You deserve this because you put 40 years hey, of your life doing this. Go and drop the guilt. But it's something that it's I still I still hard. struggle with. It's I really hard. do. It's hard to take off. Uh, I finally just got, I've finally gotten to the point where I'm okay with it. But it's, yeah. you know, I still, I still worry about it when I'm going. I mean, I'm like, right. yeah, I'm, I'm heading out next week on the Appalachian Trail. And I, I know I'll be, if I get service, calling and checking in. Yeah. And oh, yeah. Phone calls yeah, I know. <laughs> I, I, I struggle. My wife's like, we'll be out to dinner and I'll be checking sales on the phone, looking to see if everybody's clocked in that was, you know, was anybody late and what's going on at the restaurant. It's, uh, oh, man, that would drive me crazy. It's, 
it, it does do, and it will. But I'm very thankful for the freedom that I do have and the uh, the lifestyle that it's given my family and I. Um, it's uh, being self-employed once I think you get a taste of it. I don't know if there's any way I could now. ever. I'm unemployed. I, that's what I. That's exactly <laughs> what I say verbatim. I said I'm unemployable at this point because I would go in there and I'd be terrible because I'd be telling you how to do your job. I'd be like, no, we don't need to do it this way. We need to do it this way, and it would just. I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to hire me. <laughs> Honestly. And the thought, the thought of having to go back and do that, that drives me as well. <laughs> I have bad dreams about it sometimes. I really do. I sold cars for a, a minute. I thought I wanted to get out of the restaurant business. And uh, I had a friend who was selling cars. And this is back in the, I don't know, late 80s or early 90s, I guess. And he was making pretty good money. And uh, so I applied and I got the job and I went home and I was all excited. I told my job, my wife, I was like, they hired me and I don't even have any experience. <laughs> and my first day there was the last day of the month. And they, uh, I'm not going to mention the dealership because it doesn't matter, but they had kind of a revolving door policy, much like the vacuum cleaner salesman back in the day. And they were going around to all the desks. There was about 20 salespeople and they were firing the people that had a bad month. And my heart just sank right then. I was like, oh man, this might not be what I thought it was going to be, you know? And uh, I, I, I roughed it out for a while. But was that strategic on bringing people in the first day? I don't know. if I, I wouldn't have done it that way. I wouldn't have had a brand new employee see that. I, I You know, the praise in public reprimanded private kind of thing. And I personally was horrified by it. I thought it was tacky, unprofessional. And I had no idea. And I think the car business has evolved as the Internet has swept over everything. I mean, you can find out just as much as the the people selling cars know about rebates and incentives and dealer cashback and all that kind of stuff. Now it's a different, it's much easier to buy a car and you don't feel like you're being taken advantage of like people did with the old flim flam guys back in the day. But uh, no, I was horrified, man. Cause I thought it was going to be a great job and I was going to be making more than I was. And um, it wasn't, it wasn't any fun. And I'll, I'll still have dreams sometime. It's, you know, two weeks before Christmas, I don't have any cars out. My paycheck's going to be crap. <laughs> and, then, and then I wake up and go, Oh no, thank God. I'm in the restaurant business and it's mine. And uh, yeah, it, uh, I so, sold life insurance for a little bit. That's probably yeah, pretty close. To, I, I bet. Uh, I bet it is. The same kind of. You're you're right there on the food chain, at least with with car salespeople, yeah, yeah, insurance salespeople, and car salespeople. Everybody kind of frowns down on and, and somewhere uh, amongst the attorneys, right? Yep. Yep. Right there with the bottom, bottom feeders, quote unquote. I know a lot of good people in the business. Don't get me wrong. But, and I know some insurance guys that are uh, raking it in, you know, after, after you get yourself established and then you get all that residuals coming back in. You you do what they tell you to do. It it works. Mm -hmm. I mean, yeah, it was, it was set up X number of calls, X, uh, you know, X number of contacts, X number of appointments. It's a numbers game. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely a numbers game and that's helped me in this business, but, so how how did you get from Pizza Hut to River Drifters? I worked really hard. I moved my way up uh, Pizza Hut relatively quickly. And one thing that I liked about the chain life was the structure that was in place. When I was a kid, I didn't have a lot of structure. I uh, I was the kid that your mom didn't want you to hang out with. <laughs> Um, just perfectly honest with you. And now I'm the exact opposite as a father, um, because fortunately I could recognize what's a healthy way to live and what's not healthy. We all want some kind of a box. We all want some kind of rules in place. We all want some kind of, uh, uh, structure to, to guide us. We, we might not think we do, but it is important. I'm not, I don't whip my kids. They don't make their bed in the morning before they get out, you know, whatever, fine. But I wanted more structure than what I had. And when I went to work there, I realized there's a way to do everything. It's called the mom's manual is the manager's operations manual. And I started studying it and I just, I didn't really like to read a whole lot when I was a kid. And I started reading this thing and I couldn't put it down. It was a big book. Like it was like, I don't know, for four inches in a bind. And it had a way to do everything. It started with the simple things, uh, you know, busing tables and then how to clean things properly and how uh, it got into P&L management, um, cost analysis. Um, And I, I was just intrigued by it. I was learning things that I didn't know about the business before. And because of that structure, I think it just kind of drew me in. And uh, I got to where I knew more than my manager did about how things were supposed to operate. Yeah, you know, we're not doing this. Yeah, yeah, I know, Charlie, put the buck down. You know, is that one of those kind of things? But 
Um, I, I moved up relatively quickly. I think uh, I was a server for about six months and then I was a shift manager for about three and then I was an assistant manager. Uh, within, uh, I think, a year, year and a half, I had become one of the youngest managers in the system. And at the time, I was still with Pizza when they hit uh, 5,000 units. I'm not sure how many they have now. The whole market's changed. But I uh, promoted up quickly. And then I had a guy um, who came in as a new area manager. And he was one of the ones that uh, we were speaking earlier about uh, having a boss that makes you want to do a good job so you will not disappoint them. And uh, this guy, his name was Paul Wellens, and uh, he was just a very dynamic person, uh, just a high energy professional, wanted things done right, but motivated you to do it. And uh, so he put me in a development program to be a, a area manager where I was responsible for four stores. And uh, from there, um, you know, I, I started learning about, and that's a totally different ball game. Running one store is it's difficult. But when you have to run four or more restaurants and your expectation is the same as if you were running the one, how do you get people to do that? And so then I started, uh, I read, uh, you know, the, how to manage people and uh, the, the, the augment of the greatest salesman in the world and uh, Zig Ziglar. And I started getting into all that. All right. How can I be better at, as, a, as a mentor and as a leader? And uh, I think mentor is a great word for it, um, because if you're not developing people, you can't grow. And especially in the corporate world, if you're going to get promoted and move upwards, you got to have somebody to come in and take your place or you're, sure. you're stuck there. So when I started looking at it as, OK, how can I develop the people around me? Just like in life, the more good you throw out there, the more good's going to come back to you it kind of changed um, how I viewed the restaurant industry. And uh, I uh, had an opportunity um, years later. Um, I was a hired consultant to help somebody at a, in a small chain. And uh, they liked what I was brought to the table. And they said, uh, and my time was up. We had a, a contract. And uh, I said, uh, all right, guys, it's been great. It's a pleasure. They're lifelong friends now. And I knew that, that they would be then. I said, uh, I'll still be here. Um, they were like, Hey, don't go. I said, well, I have to go. I had started another business at that time and it was uh, growing and becoming more successful. And they said, well, what if, uh, what if we make you a partner? And I said, huh, well, let's talk about it. And that was an opportunity for me to get into an ownership situation that, uh, I didn't have the money to, I couldn't go out and spend, you know, 200, a million and a half to build a, a restaurant. And uh, so that's how I got my foot in the door in ownership. And uh, now fast forward uh, 20 years later, I've owned uh, between uh, food trucks and, and restaurants, eight different businesses. And uh, it's been uh, it's been a wild ride <laughs> so, <laughs> for I mean, sure. You, you touched on something really important there. And I think, um, you know, becoming an owner or a partner doesn't always have to include bringing money to the table. No, you know, no. you bring a unique a sweat skill equity set and some skills. Some, so, yeah, I think it's more uh, the skill set than the mm -hmm. you know sweat equity can do it too. Right, uh, but the skill set and the know how to do things and do them efficiently much better than somebody else that's just putting the money in that has no clue what they're doing over here. Right, you know, those two brought together can form a good partnership if. If the other people are are uh, smart enough to know they need to get out of the way and right. just put the money in, uh, where, where I've seen a lot of trouble is you know they they have this this idea, they have the money, uh, but they can't get out of the way. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, and let the person with the skill set take care of things. You see that in a lot of businesses, I yeah. think, and I think a lot of that is probably ego driven. People don't want to uh, admit to themselves that hey, I, I've got a great concept, <laughs> but maybe I'm not the big. I mean the. Uh, uh, Home Depot. Uh, eventually, those guys said, you know what? We did a really good thing here, but it's grown to the point where I think we need to bring in somebody in upper management who knows how to continue to grow this and make it what it is today. I mean, you got to know sometimes when to just go, okay, this is out of my wheelhouse, yeah. but that guy over there, Mike, knows what he's doing in real estate. I'm going to consult or have him as a consultant or have him take this project for me because he's got the experience, the brains and the know-how to, to put it all together and make it happen. And, you know, sometimes uh, that's it's hard to do, to admit that yeah, and go, yeah, all right, I, I don't know this. I'm not comfortable, but I've been faking it. Now I'm stepping back. <laughs>
Time to step up. Step up or step back. Yep, absolutely. All right, so what? Yeah, I, I met you right as you were opening River Drifters. I think we pulled up uh, and you were out in the parking lot. And I don't know if you remember this or not, but you're like, we're not open yet. We're not open yet. We got two or three more days or something. You know, it was something along those lines. We pulled up because, you know, we kept driving by. We right. bought a property close and we were driving by. And I thought, man, I got to try this place out. This is my kind of place. You know, because it just has that feel to it. And uh, just seeing it from the outside, I knew that that's my type of place to eat. Well, you know, I've seen a change just, to, you know, from that that brief period of time. What What has that different uh i guess it's a little different than than the small chains but it can still be ran that way right what what is it about river drifters that's different from everything else that because i i, I mean i didn't know you before but i feel like it, it's probably created a little different charlie i mean is that is that fair to say <laughs> i think yeah yeah i think anything um any any new project or any length of time you spend in something that you weren't in before is going to modify you for, I don't know if that's the right word or not, but it's going to, yeah, it shapes you a little bit. Um, well, when we, uh, a little background, um, I think you probably know most of it, but we had another business. Uh, I, I was uh, the chief operating officer for cheeseburger, cheeseburger restaurants, and I owned four of them and uh, had uh, some issues with uh, three of them were in Alabama. One of them was downtown. I had uh, issues with uh, some management issues in a store that was two hours from home. Um, there was uh, some integrity issues that we caught. Long story short, we ended up uh, walking away from that store. Lease was almost up and there was going to be increases in some financial things and whatnot. And then uh, I thought it was an ego driven thing. Hey man, you know, I want to own a bunch of restaurants and uh, I don't want to own a bunch of restaurants anymore. Um, especially ones that are six hours from my home. I had uh, a house in Hickson. I had an apartment in Huntsville and I had another apartment in uh, Enterprise, Alabama. And I wasn't seeing my family. Um, then I was offered the, the position with the corporate and then I was in airports or hotels or apartments. And uh, it was too much. And so we sold the apart the, the, um, the restaurants in uh, lower Alabama and, uh, I said, well, we're just going to run this one. We can make a living and it's going to be fun. And I'm going to be able to spend more time with the kids and uh, and do the things like we were talking about earlier, go to the game on Saturday and, and be active and all that. So we did that and everything was great. Uh, the building developed some problems and uh, it ultimately collapsed. It was built in uh, 18, I think 1867. It was an old flour mill. So I was just, uh, I was out one day. Uh, it's on our, uh, on our, uh, website or a brief little story uh introducing my wife and i to uh the river drifters community but i was out uh, clearing my head one day on a motorcycle ride thinking all right what do, what do i want to do what direction do i want to go i know i don't want to work for anybody do i want to start another restaurant what do I wanna, the place had a for sale or lease sign out in front of it and it's in the country ish it's only two miles off a main road but it's still got a beautiful view and a nice deck and it's along the tennessee river and but man that right there I could see myself doing and it'll give me the opportunity to get back into doing what I love um, without having to do the corporate thing and multiple restaurant ownership and uh, just slow down my life a little bit. Our, our house was uh, paid for. We didn't know anybody, anything. And I thought, man, this would be great. I don't think we'll be super busy because of the location. Um, but I was kidding myself at that point in time. I, I told my wife, I said, uh, I'll probably be the cook and you'll probably be the server, but we're going to have fun and uh, <laughs> let's just do this. We went and looked at it. She was excited about it. We did it. And I had no idea that we would end up growing this business to do more than our downtown location directly across from the Tennessee Aquarium and did in its best year. Um it did take a little time, you know, we're four years in and, uh, it, there's the, any, any business has hurdles, but I think the restaurant industry in particular by nature is a difficult business. Um, it's a business that I love, but it's not for everybody. And, uh, so what do we do different was your question. Um, I think one of the biggest things that I see when I go out that, that river drifters has that other restaurants don't is I'm not sure you'll ever find anybody cares as much as an owner 
of their own restaurant in comparison with, uh, you know, chain places, a hired manager uh, to work in a, uh, and there's nothing wrong with TGI Fridays. I just use them as this example, but I've never met a, a manager in an Applebee's or a Friday's or a wherever that you can feel how much they really care. And I think the personal relationships that you develop as an owner with your guests, you have to have good food. Don't get me wrong, but good service can make up for a bad meal, but a good meal can't make up for bad service. And one thing that we really push is that a greeting when somebody walks in the door, um, the personal don't ask, is everything okay? And I'm not going to say we never do because it, it's very easy and it's very natural for people to go to a table that have been waiting tables for 15 years and go, Hey, is everything okay? But I always tell them that, and I'm probably not the easiest person to work for sometimes. I, I promise I'm not um, because of all my little weird pet peeves, but I, I can't stand, is everything okay? Is that what you're shooting for? Is that the bank benchmark? Do we want to be okay? No, ask them a hard question. Is everything perfect? Is it a great meal? Or joke with them and go, uh, is it better than grandma's Thanksgiving dinner? You know, I mean, just, but have fun and do things your way. Um, but most importantly, you know, eye contact and let the guests know that you care that they're there and, and ask them questions beyond, is everything great? Um, notice that uh, they are all wearing uh, hiking boots and go, hey, you guys been out hiking in the area today? Start a conversation. Look at me, talk to me, smile at me. Um, engage your guests, make your guests feel welcome and special, and they will appreciate that. And they will tell their friends, we have grown our business through word of mouth. I don't spend, you see the billboard at the end of our street. That's, I don't know what it is. It's under a thousand, which is a good deal for a billboard, but that's my largest advertising expense. I use social media and word of mouth is what we've used to grow our business. And I have a pretty unique menu as well. There's all there's something for everybody on our menu. Honestly, there's probably most restaurant owners would look at it and go, man, you got too much stuff on here. How do you do all that out of that tiny little kitchen? But I really like to have the diversity in our menu. And uh, I think that, uh, you know, we've got a cool vibe there. It's, it's unlike anything, I think, around Chattanooga. And I haven't been to every restaurant because it seems like there's one open in every 25 minutes these days. There's so many new restaurants, but it's got more of that Florida oyster house kind of vibe to it. And it's, uh, it's chill. It's, uh, it's a unique experience in that people, uh, even when we're at our peak busy times and, and the kitchen times do get longer, nobody seems to care like they have at other restaurants. It's a laid back beach feeling, you know, and that's, that's, that's what's always stood out to me was, uh, you know, that ability to create a conversation with your guests. And, and it's not, you know, it's not by accident that you and I talk. I mean, it's, right. it's, it's in, it was intention, you know, there was intention from you. And it's, uh, you know, I have a hard time starting conversations in public like that. And that's a great tip, you know, noticing what they're wearing, you know, you because, you know, there are hiking trails, there, right. there's, uh, there's water activities. So it's easy to tell if somebody's coming in with water shoes on right. or a swimsuit mm -hmm. and say, oh, y'all been out on the river today? Or, you know, y'all been up at Snoopers Rock or, uh, you know, that kind of thing. Or if they pull up in, in five Jeeps, you know, that hey, <laughs> right. out yeah. riding the trail today. Yeah. You know, so th those are good tips on how to start a conversation. But, you know, I, I prefer, and especially when we travel, to stop and, st and eat at, at local establishments that you can tell are, are, you know, not changed. Right. Well, you can do that all day long, but I, I've never been approached, you know, even at, even when the owner's in there working and you can tell that the owner's in there working, they're usually in a bad mood and they're, <laughs> and they're not, they're not right. really wanting to talk to you. We stopped at a, right. a little pizza place up uh, over in the mountains when we were tubing and it was right beside the tubing place. And, like we tubed, and I mean this this is the perfect opportunity. We tubed and we went in, and they were like, "No restrooms. We don't have public restrooms." Oh, like that's how know, they. Dude, that's a pet peeve of mine too. Like, well, I mean, I, right. I was coming in here to order food, but yep. because I was in a bathing suit, you assumed that mm -hmm. I was coming in here to use right. the restroom and not participate yeah. in your establishment. No, I, I you hate that. You just lost one. me as a customer. Yep. So you know that those are those are huge, but I think that's. That's been the the key to you know you've got great food, but the the success is is in you and your staff. Well, we we have an environment, and I, I try and make a point. We have a we have a uh, 
we have the most diverse clientele. All right. So I've got, uh, I get church ladies on Sundays. I get bikers. I get motorcycle enthusiasts. We get the bicyclists that are riding because the area is beautiful. We get the paddling community, the climbers, the boulders. Um, I get the business crowd. It's, but everybody gets along well. There's, there's zero, zero problems. And one thing that I like to do is when we've got, for example, the afternoons, uh, after work, we get a, a lot of people that will stop in, have a beer and a burger, especially single folks. And if somebody new comes in, I always make a point if I don't recognize somebody, hey, is this your first time here? Hey, I just want to introduce myself. I'm Charlie. I'm the owner. Um, and say it's you. Hey, what's your name? Hey, my name is Mike. Hey, Mike, this is uh, Phil and Bob and uh, Stan. There are some of our regulars. Guys, introduce yourselves to Mike. Make him feel at home. It's his first time here. And then, you know, I've got the two big long tables in the dining room that I did deliberately that are family style. I didn't want to have individual tables. I wanted everybody to sit together. And I will seat people at a table that you're sitting at. If it's just you and your wife and I put you at one of these big tables, uh, there's plenty of room. There's six more chairs or eight more chairs, depending on the table. I'll seat somebody there. Introduce yourselves. Guys, you don't have to talk to each other, but this is a family-style dining table here. And it just creates an environment where people are friendly. It's all open. We don't have closed off the you know the booths with the dividers and stuff. There's there's restaurants where that's that it needs to be like that. Yeah. They're date night restaurants. They're fancy. They're they're five you know five you know, white linen type places. And I don't want to sit with strangers if my wife and I are on our anniversary sure. date. But the the vibe that we have and the location that we are just works for for what we've got going on there. And uh, I, I think you know the the bad mood guys. I get in a bad mood sometimes, but I'll walk outside. And I'll, I'll, I'll talk to myself and be like, okay, you're not setting the example that you need to set for your crew. I pride myself. And it's, it's weird. You said you don't like, uh, you're not particularly outgoing. I don't think that I started that way, but fake it till you make it kind of thing. If you were in this situation, I know you, you would be. Oh yeah. And you, cause it was, this is your business. It's your job. There's times where I don't want to be that guy, but I can't ever be, when I leave the restaurant, uh, Friday nights are a great example. We do karaoke on Fridays and it's kind of a party night and it's a lot of regular people that come in there. I'll walk and I will say goodbye to every single table in there before I leave the restaurant. And I just feel like it's something that I have to do. If I see a table in there that I haven't touched, we call it touching. It's just going and talking to the guests. Um, I do. Every single time I'm there, unless I buried myself in the back and it's a Monday and I'm trying to do all my weekend paperwork and figure out, uh, you know, bills and all that kind of stuff. I will visit every customer every time without fail because I have to set the example for the crew. And if you're not doing that, if you don't do, it's not, it's not one thing. It's a hundred little things, I think, that make the difference. And, you know, during our, our, our prep, you kind of told me that we were going to talk about that, what makes River Drifters different. There's not a one thing. It's all the little things that add up to the big things, I think. You know, um, I'll raise my prices before I'll skimp on food because I want people to look at it and go, wow, man, that's a great looking sandwich. Um, I'll buy a, or again, have higher prices and I think our prices are fair. So if I say higher prices, I don't want to scare people away. But I'd rather charge 50 cents more and give you a higher quality product, a higher quality beef or a higher quality ham or turkey or bread or whatever it is we're putting together or take the extra time in labor dollars to make all of our own sauces, to make our own corned beef, to do the things that it's it's easy to go out and buy something and you can buy some pretty good stuff out there wherever, Cisco, Sam's, wherever you're, you're buying your product. But it's not as good if you take the extra steps and make your own Russian dressing, your own Thousand Island dressing, your own blue cheese dressing, your own whiskey river sauce that you put on your corned beef sandwiches. And so you try and think outside the box. You try and uh, always set a positive example for your crew. Um, you try and my training, I'm probably not the best trainer in the world with new people. Um but the message that I send to them, we, there's a lot of flexibility. Most restaurants, you have uh, steps of service that you have to go through. The meet and greet, the, the order taking. and You have to suggest this item because it's the highest margin item. And those all are things that make sense. And they, they work for a reason. But I kind of stray away from that. I, I tell our servers, I want you to suggest an appetizer. But you don't have to suggest this one because it's the one that's got the highest margin. Suggest the one that, that you like the best because if you're enthusiastic about something, you can sell it better. You can't sell something that you're, it's not your favorite. Sure. Um, so, And then the, the greeting. Um, I don't care what they say when a guest walks in the door. As long as they say something besides hi to 
Because <laughs> that's the worst greeting on the planet. Um, what what is that? Hi too. <laughs> I don't you know. Uh, hey, how's it going today, guys? Welcome. Whatever you want to say, say it. But say it with a smile. Look your guests in the eye and say it with enthusiasm. And I think the, all those little things are kind of what sets us apart. And uh, I'm just proud to death every time I get a, another review because we're still four years in. I think we're sitting on close to 600 Google reviews and we're at a 4.8 average. But it would be, it's a 5.0 is never going to happen once you get into those kind of numbers. But four of them are people that accidentally hit one star and didn't know how to go back and change it because I reached out to them if I got it. And they were like, oh, I didn't mean to do that. Everything I said was great. Like the food was great. The service is great. The atmosphere is great. One star. I'm like, well, what happened here? And, uh, and it's usually older folks, honestly, <laughs> that just kind of don't know how to go back and change it. But uh, yeah, stop by and, and bring your phone with you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. I want to do that. And, you know, sometimes you'll get the ones uh, – I don't know. I had uh, one a couple months ago uh, and everything is more expensive now. I think everybody is aware that COVID has kind of changed the dynamics of everything. You're in, you're buying lumber. Uh, how much did your lumber go up? Went up a lot. It's, it's working its way back down. <laughs> it is. But uh, so there, there's a couple people that, uh, yeah, they, they want $6 for a craft beer. That's kind of crazy. I'm like, have you bought craft beer lately? <laughs> it's expensive, you know. But you know, I, I'm kind of, the, I'm of the mindset. I'd rather my food price go up than the size of my food go down and the yeah. price stay the same. That, I can't stand to go in and I was like, man, this burger used to be this big and it's not it's this big. You know, I'm seeing that in retail a lot. My oh, wife bought some, uh, it was uh, Nabisco brand graham crackers. And I, I pull them out. I got a glass of milk. I'm sitting there getting ready to have some graham crackers and, and milk. And uh, I'm like, this cracker is smaller than it used to be. And it was. The, the, they're, like it went from 16 ounce to like a 12 ounce package. And I'm like, just charge me an extra 50 yeah. cents. I want my old graham crackers exactly. back, you know. Yeah. I feel like I'm getting nickel and dime there. But So what, what drives you daily and what keeps you going? Uh, customers. I, and I think that uh, you, you got to love what you do. And it's uh, money's great, but uh, and we touched on it earlier. Success isn't just how much money you're making, how big your house is, or what kind of car you're driving. Um, I know some very successful blue collar people that have love in their homes. Their kids have clothes. They have a car that gets them back and forth. They love to go fishing and hunting, and they're wonderful people because um, they've figured out how to enjoy life. And I think that uh, for me personally, um, I don't mind waking up every day and going to work. I look forward to it. I enjoy it. And my reward is those reviews and walking around the dining room and talking with people and having uh, the letter come in from a random dude that used to work for you 15 years ago saying, hey, man, I just wanted to tell you how much of an impact you made on my life while you were my boss. Um, because uh, the, the lessons you taught me, I'm using right now. And I think when you live for other people and try and make a point to make a positive difference in other people's lives on a daily basis. It's almost selfish because I do those things. I try and not perfect by any stretch of the imagination and I have my bad days, but for the most part, I try and do that and I'm doing it for me, honestly, a lot of for selfish motivation because it makes me feel good. And when you get to the point where you're trying to, be good because it makes you feel good, then I think that you've hit somewhere there. It might be a maturity thing. I, I'm not sure. But uh, yeah, I think that uh, living your life for others and finding personal joy by bringing other people joy is kind of what drives me in the restaurant business. It's not because I want to hit X amount of sales or X amount of profit or have X. It doesn't hurt. Now, trust me, I, I like to have some money in the bank. And I like to know that if my F-150 blows up, which it probably will, I'm at 160,000 miles now, I'm going to go out and buy another one. And and I'm probably not going to finance because I, unless there's like a point, you know, 9% or something, yeah. but I, uh, money's great. And my kids need things. My daughter's going to need an education and a car and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But, uh, I want my children to do something that they, you know, find something that you enjoy. You'll never work a day in your life. As Confucius said, um, think that's really important because you see a lot of people. And I know a lot of people that are very wealthy that just hate their lives. Yeah, they're just not happy people. And so I think you've got to find that mix. You've got to find something that uh, that you're good at and that you enjoy doing 
And then it, everything just seems to kind of go together. I don't know. It's uh, it's kind of amazing sometimes if you have the right outlook and the right the 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 drive and and you can look at things through the right glasses things fall together better than if you have ill motives or you don't like your job or you're doing something for the wrong reasons i think you're doing something different now than you've done before in the rental business tell me how much more enjoyable it is when you've got these really cool places to hear the feedback oh, and that this was our anniversary and it was so special and you guys did such a beautiful job and it's decorated so nice and the view was amazing. Isn't that so much better than having smaller rental homes where they're late half the time and it's constant headache and struggle. And it's, this has to be just like, it's just, yeah, okay. I can be creative and let me do my thing. Yeah. And, uh, and then the, the feedback is amazing. And that's what keeps you going. Yeah, because uh, I mean, it's like I said, it's great to have the check, but but doing what you're doing now, because you've got some really cool properties. You're you're uh, I don't know I've I've been in the River House and I've seen the pictures of the Sassafras and the Treehouse and some of these other things, and they're just really cool. And people are going to be there having a great time. This can be a, a family experience that they're not going to forget. Um, this is uh, this is where we spent our ten year anniversary. You remember that, honey? That that place was so cool. And then you get your little guest books. I don't know. Do you use guest books? Oh, yeah. Or uh, so I had a place in Florida for a little bit. We I loved going back and reading the oh, the yeah. positive we, stories. We yeah, it's really it's fun. It's cool, and and you love what you do. That's obvious. Uh, you're you're great at it, and that makes all the difference in the world. You probably love this a lot more than if you had, you know, ten lower end rental houses in not so great neighborhood. Houses, yeah. yeah, or yeah, I mean, it's uh, yeah, or higher end. <laughs> Absolutely, it's still uh, still those headaches and whatnot. This is a completely different uh, different ball game, different dynamic in that yeah. industry. So what's the what's the end goal? What does your end goal look like? Or what what is the the five ten year? You know, you and I we we've talked about uh, storyboards and uh, and things, not storyboards, but vision uh, boards. Vision boards. Um, and uh, the end goal for me right now, um, make sure my kids get a. A solid upper. I've still got two at home. I've got uh, a son that's 22, married, fireman, uh, owns his own uh, business on the side, um, doing well, uh, getting ready to build a house. Um, I've got one that's 16. He's not quite sure what he wants to do. Uh, he doesn't know if he wants to go to college, if he wants to go into some uh, something else. Um, and then I got a little girl that's six. And uh, so long term, I don't really see myself retiring, to be honest with you. I don't think that I'm the guy who can go sit on the bank and fish and drink a beer and do that repeatedly and have any kind of fulfillment. Um, so ultimately, I'd like to be able to, I don't know, I've tossed around some ideas with the restaurant of maybe even doing some kind of a co-op with the employees and trying to start something. I've never seen a restaurant do it before. There's other cooperatives that are employee owned, but I've never seen, and I'm not saying there's not one out there, but I've never seen one or heard of one where the restaurant could be employee owned. But I'd like to get to a point where I could step away and give guidance and show other people how to do what I've done and uh, do something probably out of the business that's giving back some somehow. I really don't know, to be honest with you, but I'm not going to, I, I'm not going to retire. I don't think ever. If I had uh, ten million dollars drop in my lap tomorrow, I would still have to get up and go do something every day to provide. I'm a social person. If you hadn't figured that out, I like to talk. I, I think I've done eighty percent of the talking here. I told you I would. <laughs> but uh, I hear what you have. I uh, yeah. I don't. Uh, I don't have that. And most people, business owners, they do. They've got a five year plan, a ten year plan. Um, I, I'm not quite sure. To be honest with you, I'm really enjoying what I'm doing right now. And I think that a lot of uh, my life I've spent, I, I don't want to say uh, chasing the, the rabbit, but uh, not enough time living today and too much time saying, okay, if I do this, 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 and this five years from now, I can be doing this. So I am uh, high strung by nature and the restaurant industry is, is kind of pulls people like me in. 
but I'm trying to learn how to enjoy today and take care of my responsibilities with my children and, and my, my family, but not focus as much on, okay, I want to have four restaurants or I want to have X amount of dollars in the bank so that I can retire and do this. And then I want to buy another place here where we're going to, uh, you know, sell this home and move here eventually. Um, I got ideas I'm kicking around, but I don't have anything in stone written down. I'm trying to kind of honestly get away from more of that and say, okay, you know what? My kid just said, let's go to the park and ride bikes living for right now in today's moment. I love that. And, I mean, uh, I feel like we wait, we wait 20, 30 years to figure that out. And then it's, you know, our kids are grown. Yeah. You know? Yep. Uh, so I think that's huge. And being able to you know have the freedom to do that. And we've, we've touched on that, you know, what this has done for you and your family and allowed you to be able to do that when you want to do it. You know? Reminds me of the Cat Stevens song, <laughs> "Cats in the Good." Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a great, great song. Any, any parent would. No, I'll be listening. Out, but I'm, I'm of the Weird Al version. Yeah, I haven't heard that one yet. I've heard a lot of Weird Al stuff. The, the cats in the kettle with peeking. <laughs> the place that we. Eat yeah, every day it's now. awesome. Yeah, yeah that's, that's a good great. One. Good one. That's pretty good. So, what, what advice would you have for somebody that was wanting to get into this space, and maybe open a, a pizza restaurant or. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, to get into the restaurant world or just in the business world in general or in general, yeah, just business. In general. I, I think, uh, yeah, there's, there's a lot of advice. I think probably some of the most important things are, and you and I have talked about kids before, um, working with the Ridgeland and, uh, putting together programs to, to teach kids the things that, that school doesn't teach. And I think some of the most important things are you've got to figure out who you are and we're so bombarded right now with, uh, with, uh, I don't know, you with YouTube and all the different social media outlets and all the videos and stuff. And my little girl loves to watch. Uh, and uh, she, fortunately she's got into these little kids. I forgot what they're called. Ninja kids. I think your little girls watch the ninja kids. I'm sure. They're, they're not goofy. Like some of these other ones are, they don't, they're not just doing dumb stuff. They're, they're athletic. They're, uh, very gifted in, uh, gymnastics and they are, polite and we're raised with some the parents oversee everything that's going on in these videos and uh but the kids these days i don't know they're bombarded with so much i think we're i think that we got a generation of people that are losing like who am i you know i think that's something that's really important people have to figure out where where, where do i stand on uh how i want to raise my children where do i stand on religion where do i stand on uh, how what is what is a good worker supposed to be like where do I, I think we're still, you know, constantly figuring out who we are. I mean, oh, I, yeah. I don't know if that'll ever change. I'm still, you know, that's, I, I was, I listened to a, a, a football coach give a speech, and I don't know if you've watched it or not. It's, a, it's on YouTube, but it was, uh, a, you know, he yelled, who am I? And then they yell, I'm a champion, you know? And then, uh, you know, I, I listened to that before I go on a hike or a bike or while I'm starting right. or while I'm hiking. And then, you know, I'm listening and I'm hearing, I'm a champion, I'm a champion. And then, I listened to it on another walk and I'm like, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? Right. I'm like, dang, you know, who am I? What, what am I trying yeah. to do? No, I think we, we go through different, uh, I don't know, stages, chapters with books, uh, where I, I'm, you know, my wife and I, we just celebrated our 24 year anniversary. And, uh, I was like, you're not the woman I married. She's like, you're not the man I married and I'm not, and she's not, and we're growing, we're changing, we're evolving. And I think that's, uh, that's important. Um, hopefully for the better in yeah, most cases, yeah, hopefully. You know, hopefully for the better in most cases. Um, but I think, I don't know, you, it gets, things get a little, it's kind of funny. Life is a little uh, weird in the sense that I think the more wisdom you get is closer to the end. And then it would be great to be born with some wisdom, yeah, yeah. <laughs> change the whole dynamics of everything. Um, I think, you know, if you're going out and you're, you right, first off, find something that you have a passion for. If you're not passionate about it, you're probably not going to grow into a passion about it. Not to say that it won't happen, but I think that it's rare. Uh, builders. I know some people that started off doing construction um, and it was something to do because they were getting, a, they needed a paycheck. And then they were like, man, I love this. I love working with my hands. I love building things. You can look at this when I'm done or sell this home when I'm done and make money. And this is the way and it works. And not say that you don't have to be passionate about something before you get into it, but make sure that whatever you're trying to, uh, to, to move forward in is something that you do care about. And I think relationships, and you and I have had this conversation before too, um, relationships are going to be paramount 
in your success, I think, no matter what you're doing, really. Um, if you're in sales, it's extremely important. Um, and life is sales in almost every aspect. You're selling yourself at an interview or you're selling your product that you're making or you're selling your skills or you're selling your personality. Every day. It, you know, it's, it's what Nick Saban says you know, when he's walking through the locker room and the, and the football players are – they're either moping or they're in a good mood. What are you selling today? Yeah, you know? yeah exactly. You know, what are you selling today? Yep. How, how are you presenting yourself when you're walking down the road and, and uh, people are passing by? And, I like that. What are you selling today? Yeah, what are you selling That's good. Today? Yeah, I'm going to use that. You don't mind if I borrow that one, do you? Uh, that's Nick. No, I, love, <laughs> I like that a lot. And, uh, yeah, I think that's important. And, uh, and you know, things don't happen by by uh, by themselves. So, you know, there's uh, you can wake up in the morning and say, good Lord, it's morning. Or you can say, good morning, Lord. You know, there's there's two ways that you have to get your mind right when you get out of bed. Um, today is going to be a great day because I get to. And I'll tell you, Steve Harvey said this, and it's one of my favorite things now. If you replace the word have to with get to in your life, then you'll have a completely different outlook on things. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's just how we wire our brains. And because I catch myself doing it, and I have to go pull this Steve Harvey thing back out, where I'm like, all right, I got to do a food order. I have to do this. I've got to get the Sam's Club. I've got to get all this done before 2.30, because then I got to leave, and I got to go pick up Ella, and then I got to do this, and I got to get a company coming over for dinner tonight, and I got to make a tray for this, blah, blah, blah. I get to That's do great. all I mean, these things. Our words matter. And if we change, you know, changing just to, you know, one word, I yeah. have to get. Yeah. And just going at it with, I get to do this and I get to do that. Yeah, that, that's all, man. That's awesome. I'm gonna, I'm gonna use that. That's right, fair trade. All right, fair trade. <laughs> I like it. But uh, you know, motivate yourself, and and you know, uh, you can't go read a Zig Ziglar book one time and be motivated for the rest of your life. So sometimes, you know, you've got to stay fresh. If uh, I used to just read a ton of industry rags, um, you know, what's going on in restaurants and, you know, get the new book, you know, the magazines that come out with all the equipment and check out all the technologies and all the POS systems and uh, then read more about, uh, you know, the art of managing people and doing this and that. And, but you can't just sit around and wish to be better. No, you've got to work you, at it. you got to work at it. You got to go out there and you got to get it and, and know, too, that uh, things don't happen overnight sometimes, you know, or rarely, almost never. Um, you can't be a hundred percent better tomorrow, but you can be 1% better every day for a hundred days. So don't give up, have that attitude. You know, that Rocky thing. It's not how many times you get knocked down. It's how many times you get back up kind of thing. Cause it's not, uh, life is hard. You I know? just finished, uh, the power of one more in the book. And, you know, it's what's one thing I can do today to make myself better than I was yesterday. Right. And, and in any aspect of, of your life, you know, what's one thing I can do to better my health. What's one, one thing I can do to better my relationship with my spouse or, or my children or, mm -hmm. you know, I, and I love that one more thing, 1%. Yeah, no, that's good. I like that. Cause, uh, all of it, you know, we're juggling, uh, juggling a lot of balls, especially, uh, this might like, I don't know, I want to offend women or anything, but I think men feel more of a responsibility. You love, uh, women and children and, and animals unconditionally, but men have conditions. We've got to be driven we've got to be providers we're conditioned that way i think you know it's just how we're raised and uh so it's just it's not easy to be a man sometimes you have to motivate yourself and you have to stay driven and you have to not that women don't need to be driven or kids don't need to be driven so i don't want anybody to take that wrong but uh i i heard that the other day i was a, i think it was a podcast actually that i was listening to and, and I, I was like huh at first it kind of made me think and then, then it really made me think it's true you know it's uh there's it's a, just being a man alone is a lot of pressure and uh, so I like to, uh, and I have to uh, read things to motivate me sometimes because sometimes you just in a crappy mood, well, <laughs> and you got to shake yourself out of it. And you know you yeah, are, yeah, yeah. and you know I'm like I don't want to be around anybody right now because I don't want them to see me like that. And uh, you know, so yeah, sometimes it happens at work, and uh, sometimes you know I got to step out back and go, all right, pull it together. I know this person upset you because they were late again, or they had a you know a customer review or what whatever the case is. You just got to, okay, how do we overcome that? How do we get past it? How do I get myself out of this funk? And uh, you, you got to uh, gotta take care of yourself, yeah. you know, feed love yourself it. mentally and physically. I love it. Always be furthering yourself. So hit me with your favorite quote. All right. Charles Swindoll uh, wrote my favorite quote, and it's called Attitude. And it goes something like this. 
Attitude. The longer I live, the more I realize the impact of attitude on life. Attitude to me is more important than facts. It is more important than the past, than education, than money, than circumstances, than failures, than successes, than what other people think or do. It is more important than appearance, giftedness, or skill. It will make or break a company, a church, a home. The remarkable thing is we have a choice every day regarding the attitude that we will embrace for that day. We cannot change the past. We cannot change the fact that people will act in a certain way. We cannot change the inevitable. The only thing we can do is play the one string we have, and that is our attitude. I am convinced that life is 10% what happens to me and 90% how I react to it. And so it is with you. We are in charge of our attitudes. All right. Positive attitude, negative attitude, or neutral? All right. So I've got an ant. We're talking about an attitude, a positive attitude, or negative attitude, or neutral attitude. I think an attitude is infectious. I think you've been around people before that make you feel a certain way. Um, I've, I've, there's some people, uh, very, very few, I might add, but there's people I just don't like to be around because sure. they just they rub me wrong. I just don't. Nothing personal, but I guess it is personal, but I just don't like this person, their demeanor, the way they act, the way they talk, the way they talk to other people, the way they treat their kids, the way they treat their dog when they're sitting on the deck, there, whatever. And then you've got people that you just really like to be around because they make you feel better. So I think that you have to be able to gauge where your attitude is in various situations. Um, if we're standing on a volcano and it's you know, we're doing a tour and it's getting ready to erupt. Uh, I think there's, I don't want to hear your positive attitude. Right there. <laughs> I want, maybe I want you to be motivating me to run real fast or something, but uh, I've got an aunt. She's a nun. She is 83 years old. She has uh, been a nun since uh, forever, 18 years old. I wish she could be here right now. I wish the whole world could get to be around her because in a 10 second conversation, all of your troubles go away. If you've got something sitting on your shoulders that's heavy, when you talk to her, there's such a calmness in her demeanor and her tone and in her message that just wipes, you get a clear picture of what's important in the world. And that's your family and love. And nothing else, that's what she's lived her whole life doing is just loving. And she just uh, radiates it. It's the it's a weird thing. <laughs> I wish I I had some of it because uh, she's just got this uh, aura. I don't know. It's uh, and she's not all in your. We rarely talk about religion. We talk about the kids. We talk about her home life. We talk about the other sisters that she lives with. We talk about her job. Um, and she's, uh, she's actually a doctor sister now cause she's got her PhD uh-huh. in psychology and she's just a wonderful person, um, with a very infectious, uh, positivity. So positive, negative, neutral attitude. I'm not quite sure on that one. I, I definitely like to be around more positive people on that note too. There's another thing that people often say, um, you know, there's several sayings, uh, if you lay with dogs, you get fleas. Only hang around people that will make you better. Um, I I don't. I think from a uh, human perspective, um, diversify your friends. You're going to learn something from anybody. Uh, you might learn what not to do. You might learn what to do. Um, people often spend a lot of time um, in networks. Like a perfect example, of what you're doing. Uh, hang out with real estate people. Um, or if you're a, a strongly religious person, don't hang out with people that don't think like you because they're going to drag you down. Hang out with everybody. Um, learn from everybody. Uh, when I had the business downtown, I have had hours and hours and hours of conversations with homeless people. There's Everybody's got something to offer. You just might have to look for it a little bit harder sometimes. And uh, I think that uh, we spend too much time... Uh, looking at strictly monetarily reasons to have relationships with people when I think everybody's got a little something to offer. I just wanted to throw that out there. Yeah. That's awesome. So how, how do we find you? Uh, 1925 Suck Creek Road. Go towards Signal Mountain. Take a left right before you go up the mountain on Suck Creek Road. We're 2.2 miles down. 
and uh, I'm usually there. If I'm not there, I'm probably feeling bad that I'm not there. Riverdrifters.com. Riverdrifters chat. Riverdrifterschat.com. Riverdrifterschat. On Instagram. Uh, I should know these things. Just look, look me up on Facebook, and okay. it's attached to my uh, my Instagram. And uh, yeah, there's a, there is another River Drifters. I think it's in uh, maybe Colorado or somewhere. But you'll obviously know that it's the one that's in Chattanooga. the real ones in Chattanooga. The real ones in Chattanooga, absolutely. And we do rent. Uh, we, uh, we're our season's closed now, but uh, we've got uh, stand up paddle boards and kayaks. And we take you across the street and uh, put you in at the boat ramp and uh, let you go out and have a good time on the water that day. And we usually do a uh, smoker uh, special on Sundays where I smoke something different uh, for our uh, smoke on the water Sunday special. Smoke on the water. Right. First song everybody plays guitar, learn how to play. <laughs> uh, thanks for having me today, yeah, Mike. I appreciate, I appreciate it very much, on. man. All right, guys. See y'all next week.